Well, I mentioned that I had this transformative experience and that other people may have had similar or, you know, their own unique transformative experiences. But I talk about two ways of getting knowledge about a given topic. One is direct and the other is derivative. And so for me, my knowledge is direct. I don't have any books or any online resources or anything like that. Everything was directly downloaded and then built on that geosentience. So the geosentience, it's all well and good that you can be sensitive to this stuff, but eventually, and especially for me, when it came time to start teaching it, you need to sort of systematize it. So I ask people who are thinking about where you're getting your information about crystals and ask yourself about the source of that information. How many years have they been doing it? Is their information direct or derivative? And do they have a logical system by which they're trying to convey this information to you? Welcome to the Revelation Project Podcast. I'm Monica Rogers, and this podcast is intended to disrupt the trance of unworthiness and to guide women to remember and reveal the truth of who we are. We say that life is a revelation project, and what gets revealed gets healed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Revelation Project podcast. For three decades, Kyle Russell has been an innovator, an educator, and online personality. He's just published his book, Crystal Energy, Understanding and Working with Stones for Clarity and Flow. I'm so excited to invite him on the show because he is the husband as well of a dear, dear friend and someone that I also had had on the podcast several months ago, Nina Manelson. And so when I learned about her husband, Kyle, I absolutely wanted to bring him on the show. And we had the opportunity to sit for an hour and just have what I call a chemistry call. And we just loved talking to each other. And I think you're going to love this episode because there's this way I think that I've always been so curious about crystals. I've always been so drawn towards them and what they represent and energetically what they're all about. And so I'm really interested in Kyle's just his whole kind of orientation around crystals, because it's very different from how I've ever heard anyone really work with them or talk about them. So without further ado, I want to welcome Kyle. Hey, Kyle. Hey, hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm super thrilled to have another uh, wonderful conversation with you. And this time we get to share it with the world. This time we do get to share it with the world. And I was, it was several months ago now, wasn't it? It was, you had said, was it November? Was it even before Christmas? I think so. That's like three, yeah, three, four months ago. Whole like universe of time between now and then, now that it's COVID time, right? Right. Although in strange sort of ways, we just had literally yesterday, the uh, mask mandate was lifted in the town where I have my store. Yay. And so all of a sudden, nobody had to wear a mask anymore. Yay. That just makes me so happy. You know what? How did I miss that in our interview that you have a store? 
I do, right in Arlington, Mass., just north of Boston. And it's been open now four years. And no, wait a minute. We're coming up on five, amazingly, in September. Wow. Yeah. So that's kind of a cool thing. It is a cool thing. Well, and I, of course, want you to kind of go back to how our conversation started because I was totally enthralled by the story that you told me about your first experience and how you got into this work. Absolutely. It was uh, it was quite transformative. Now, you're not asking me to tell that story now, are you? I am. Is that okay? That's totally fair. Okay, good. <laughs> That's what we're here for. But yeah, so okay, I'll tell that story. So let's go back 35 years. It's 1987. And this thing that's happening that people talk about, I think you might remember in 2012, there was talk about the Mayan calendar breakthrough thing. And this was called the Harmonic Convergence. And it was 1987. And Judy Hall and some of these other people were just coming out with their books. And there was a bit of an early craze happening for crystals. Like now people are like, oh, it's such a a, a fad, but you have to realize these things come in waves. And that was a wave back then. And I was working at a natural food store and one of my coworkers wanted to go to this crystal store. And so we took a little journey, a field trip in the afternoon. We drove up to the North Shore here about 45 minutes away and went to the store of someone who has become a major player in this world. His name is Robert Simmons, and his wife Kathy was there too, and their shop was called Heaven and Earth. And I think they were just sort of starting out then, but he had discovered Moldavite, and he talked me over to the case where there was Moldavite being uh, displayed. And he told me the story that it had fallen to earth, that it was a tektite, which means a meteorite had struck the planet and melted a huge amount of earth material and exploded into the sky. And then these tektites rained down like snow. Interestingly, the strike was just in on the border with Germany, but nearly all of the tektites fell into the Czech Republic. So he told me about it It was also a gem quality stone that could be cut and faceted. So I'm like, okay, okay. My friend bought her 10 or $20 of stuff and he handed me a piece of Moldavite that had to have been worth 50 bucks anyway. And I was like, wow, cool, thanks. So we left and started driving back to town. And then I started to feel this extraordinary vortex of cosmic universal energy coming from above and through my body directly towards my pocket where I had put the stone. So it was kind of, it was more than, it was uncomfortable to put it, <laughs> to put it bluntly. It was super uncomfortable because I was like, I couldn't tell if this was bringing life energy or taking life energy. Mm. And so I immediately took it out and put it on the floor of the car till I got home. And then that night, I had the strangest dream perhaps that I've ever had. And we've talked about dreams before and how important they can be. And we can all tell the difference between a sort of casual run-of-the-mill processing the daily versus a, hey, this is a direct message from on high. 
And so in the dream, I was at my natural food store and I was working on a display in the front window. And there was a woman I noticed outside of the main window there looking at me. And she was pretty nondescript, short, nothing special, but she opened her mouth and let out this sound that I had never heard in all my born days. It was freaky. And I looked around to see if anyone else had heard it. And it was so intense that I don't know how I knew what it was she was saying, but I did know how to respond to her. So I opened up my mouth and I spoke back to her in the same language. And the whole thing was so intense that I sat bolt upright in my bed or I was sleeping on the couch or something. And I looked right up at a mantelpiece where I had put the Moldavite. And so I knew immediately that there was a connection between the Moldavite and the dream and this woman and the message of the conversation. And the message was this, actually, she said to me, the mothership is over us right now would be a good time for you to ascend. And I thought, I, I instant processing, I said, no, I'm not going, no, I've been here you. too long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it was because I had said that I had been here too long and I was too terrestrially committed to make that ascension in that moment. Oh my God. Okay. So I love the terrestrially committed. I have to show you this. It's just so funny. Have you ever read this? Ooh, no, no, no. But I've seen it. Awakening in the dream. I like that. Conscious dreaming and stuff. Yes. But also... I mean, there's so much cool information in that book. It took a while for him to get to it. But the bottom line was that so much of our dream world, and I just talked about this in an episode yesterday, it's like we're not taught, right, to really pay attention to our dreams. In fact, if anything, we're kind of discouraged from paying attention to them. And I think that there's such a wealth of information and archetypes and symbology and communication that can happen in our dreams. And there's all kinds of different theories, beliefs, understandings of where we go and what we do when we're dreaming. But it certainly is not a non-event, in other words. Right. You know, that dreaming has the ability to actually contain vital information for our lives and for understanding our, our, our orientation. Right. Well, I'm actually... I'm getting this sort of uh, uh, light bulb thing going off. I was really struck while watching the movie Dune, which came out recently. Mm. And I don't know if you remember, but there's a moment where the hero or the young protagonist uh, says, I've been having these dreams and these visions. And his elder, who is a warrior, says, nothing that matters happens in the dream world. Everything that matters is happening outside of the dream world which I thought was kind of an interesting message to be conveying in a fantasy movie whose entire concept was made up. Mm -hmm. and, and I just wanted to take that opportunity to echo what you're saying, which is that really, in fact, I mean, the Aboriginal beliefs in Australia is that there's a, a tandem dream time going on mm -hmm. simultaneously to this. And what you were talking about as far as human design is concerned is the idea that that it's a it's a it's like a, a 
hologram or a, a 3D or 5D or, you know, multidimensional vision of what's really going on. Right. And I think that's really fascinating. So I'm in total agreement with you. And I just think it's interesting that the guy who's a warrior, he's all about terrestrial battle. Mm-hmm. And so for him, all he has is the guy standing in front of him with an axe. But in point of fact, the guy standing in front of him with an axe, just like in the Tibetan Book of the Dead, could be just a deity representing some underlying concept that is relevant for you at this time. Right, that unconscious, exactly. It's so interesting. Okay, so let's go back to the Moldavite and this experience that you have. Yes. So then what? Like, then you're like, oh, there's actually like some something here for not only for you, but for your relationship now to crystals. Right. Well, what happened, it was strange because I did have a follow up dream that was on a similar theme. And, and once I had sort of gotten that piece out of my system, like the mothership was gone. There was no longer the effort, you know, the abduction, active abduction effort in play. I vow, I didn't vow. It just so happened that I never touched Moldavite again for 20 years because I was like, this is way too scary because it's too otherworldly. It threatens my terrestrial commitment, as Mm -hmm. you noted. But the freaky side effect is what really ended up mattering even more in the sense that I suddenly became what I call geosentient. I suddenly knew information about crystals that I had not read in any books, and that was directly the result of this interaction. And so somehow, the way I'm thinking about it even now, all these years later, is that once that communication uh, was made, there was a downlink into the bigger database of knowledge of that civilization. Mm-hmm. And that knowledge database was transferred to me such that I could suddenly look at stones and know exactly what was going on and what was supposed to happen with them. And that's the sort of take-home message because I did start working with people immediately because I was excited about them. I started buying and selling them also immediately. And I was and I was pursuing that passion, which ended up being sort of behind the scenes as I went through several other lifetimes, uh, doing other stuff professionally, having stores and uh, starting a magazine and being in the music business. But I came back to it full time in 2012 during that sort of Mayan revival period, which is also 10 years ago from now, and is also 25 years after uh, 1987. So it's all kind of interesting that that happened. And that's when I sort of made my peace again with Moldavite. And uh, I knew so much, I had learned so much, and I had practiced so much that I was much more educated, but I had to make a transformation again at that point into starting to teach about the crystals. So I went from first knowing and understanding to then teaching. Okay. So, and just to be clear, before this happened, were you a fairly sensitive guy? Were you a fairly in-tuned man? I think I would say that I was. Okay. Um, I wasn't, you know, I, I didn't... Yeah, I was definitely in tuned and sensitive. And part of the reason for that came 
after my freshman year in college when I was diagnosed for the second time with cancer. Mm. So I actually had a tumor when I was 12 here and then when I was 18 here. And that necessitated a radical neck dissection. So my entire lymph system was removed, but I did not have to do chemo or radiation, interestingly. And uh, they were able to prevent it from spreading. But what it was for me was a wake-up call to say, you know what? You need to stop doing what everybody else tells you to do. You need to start following your own path and doing what you feel most resonant with. Mm -hmm. And that was a big change that had happened five years before uh, 1987. Or maybe four only. Yeah. Kind of chuckling because I was like, you probably wouldn't be with a chick that was taking you into a crystal store if you weren't somewhat sensitive, right? I mean, maybe you would, but still. (laughs) That's true. Very true. (laughs) So I want to, for our listeners too, I want to just convey that what Kyle was pointing to was not only the place in his neck, but there was a place in his face kind of underneath the nose area. And, and the lip, right in the lip. Right in the lip. And was that the, like, was that also lymph? Yes. They call it, had an obscure name, mucoepidermal carcinoma, but it showed up in the lymph system, both here and there. And my big interpretation and revelation about it was that there was a blockage in the communication between mind and body mm-hmm. through this whole neck area, both this, which is the connector to your head, and also your lip, which is connected to your mouth and how you speak into the world. So it was big. Like in human design, it's like the throat, Mm. that area where, you know, you are able to kind of speak your truth, follow your truth. Right. It's so fascinating. So, and I fully believe and have come to believe that these that these things happen for us. They're, they're wake up calls, you know, they're like, pay attention. This is, this is you know, really about making a deeper connection and not just like, yes, there's an illness potentially here, but below the surface of that is another message. Absolutely. And I also want to circle back to what we were just talking about, the mothership, the because I think I just for our listeners, I contend or I, there was a time in my life where I really did live in this ignorance that was also arrogance. I think there's a word blending there actually. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to figure out what the word blended, you know, like would sound like. We have a tendency to center ourselves as a species. We have a we have a tendency to center ourselves in everything and there's an arrogance to that that I just want to point to because knowing how vast the cosmos is, knowing that we are able to see only one half of what is really here with our actual senses, our eyes, our that our visual, that our physical, that the material makeup of the world. It's like, I know that we call it the universe, but what's interesting is what I was reading this morning in human design is we actually have a biverse, which is that everything has this masculine and feminine. Mm. Everything kind of started as this uh, seed and egg. 
you know, mm-hmm. or so it's it's like it's fascinating when we think about, you know, how limited our thinking can be in terms of understanding that of course there's life elsewhere. Mm. You know, the fact that we could think that we're the only planet. Right. It's just so I'm kind of putting that out there as well for our listeners to just kind of suspend judgment while we're listening today and to just really kind of be in this possibility that we may not, you know, know it all. Imagine that. Right. So, yeah. Well, also, I mean, uh, just to sort of feed off of what you're saying there is that, yes, we may not know it all. And you did characterize it as kind of the known half and the unknown half, but almost, especially like when people have always said since I was a kid, that only like a tiny percentage of our brain is really understood. Mm -hmm. And so, it's possible that our understanding is really infinitesimal relative to the full reality that's out there. And I think that for me, what was so interesting about my breakthrough experience was that I, I went from having literally no knowledge or awareness of this whole other thing that was going on to suddenly having that front and center in my consciousness as a gift, really, uh, for me to work with. And my life's mission is to share that with people because, like you said, it's so different from a lot of what's out there in terms of what other people have said based on their own experiences, be it either direct through some sort of a similar download or whether it's what I call derivative, which is sort of stitched together from the existing knowledge base that's out there about crystals. Yes. And I love the word you used, geosentient. Mm-hmm. Is that something, is that a word you, is that a thing like you learned that there are people that are geosentient or did that kind of come to you? I created that word. Okay. I love that. <laughs> I, I had never heard that before and it was a perfect way of describing. And actually part of what it's related to is some of the psychic abilities that people have. Yeah. They're clair audio, or you know, there are different types of sentient, or clairsentient, or claircognizant. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Awesome. It's it, well, it's such a great word. It immediately made sense to me. So it and to yeah, kind of have then this knowledge that, or to be able to tap into as you started to then work with other stones and realize, like my God, like I now have access to this this information. Right. Totally. So from that place. I mean, we can take this discussion in a number of different directions, but I would love to know, like, what makes you different from how everyone else out there kind of talks about and works with crystals? Right. Well, I mentioned that I had this transformative experience and that other people may have had similar or, you know, their own unique transformative experiences, but I talk about two ways of getting knowledge about a given topic. One is direct and the other is derivative. And so, for me, my knowledge is direct. I don't have any books or any online resources or anything like that. Everything was directly downloaded and then built on that geosentience. So, the geosentience, it's all well and good that you can be sensitive to this stuff, but eventually, and especially for me when it came time to start teaching it, you need to sort of systematize it. 
So I ask people who are thinking about where you're getting your information about crystals and ask yourself about the source of that information. How many years have they been doing it? Is their information direct or derivative? And do they have a logical system by which they're trying to convey this information to you? Because I was super frustrated every time I would look online or read into someone else's book, uh, people talk about any given crystal as being really all things to all people. In other words, this crystal is super grounding, but it can also help you ascend. And it's really great for processing past life trauma. And I'm like, wow, that's a that's an amazing offering of services. I'm so <laughs> impressed. <laughs> um, but but in my experience, the offerings of each of the crystals is far more fine-tuned. It has a much more narrow, what I would call, energy signature. And that energy signature means that a grounding stone is not an ascension stone. Mm. That's just not a thing. <laughs> However, yeah, I mean, it seems totally silly. To, I mean, it seems like, why should we even have to explain this? But it is true. But one of the beauties of our metaphysical world is that for every rule, there are exceptions. Oh, I love that. And anyone who's really tuned into the metaphysical understands that everything is not categorical. You can categorize, you can make your best effort to, to place a sense of order on the world, but a true sensitivity or geosentience in my case means that you need to start understanding subtle duality. Mm. And I'm going to tell you about one if that's okay. Yeah. Hematite is an example. Hematite is a largely iron stone that is necessarily grounding. And I love that about it. And I place it in my energy zones. And we haven't talked about all that. We can get to that later. But I place it in the root energy zone, which is like the root chakra. Um, but what's so interesting about hematite is that it is a metallic, and metallics as such are natural conductors, just like wires are, you know, copper and gold and all of that stuff. So, hematite, while being a wonderful grounding stone, is also an extraordinary connecting stone. So, it'll ground you, but it also connect you with the universe in a unique way mm. through that process. Okay. So, you got to be open to some of these dualities that sometimes come up. But in, in so many ways, that makes so much sense to me because of the theory. I, I mean, I don't know the actual theory, but that everything is kind of on this continuum of, mm. of um, like that even love and hate are similar because they're on the same continuum. And so right. if you were to look at hematite, right, that makes sense to me that it would have two or a dualistic, you know, way of like the a paradoxical right well i'm reminded of how amazing it was when my daughter was a baby and she would get all you know upset and she was crying crying and you could just do this one little thing that would shift her from crying to laughing and the human mind is like that too because hate lives here right next to love and understanding lives right next to intolerance and it's so easy for us to just Yes. Flip from here to there to there to there. It's so true. 
it's pretty mind blowing. It is yeah. mind blowing. It's really mind blowing. So I love I love what you just kind of pointed out that so you're using hematite as an example, and I'm making up that each of these stones have that duality to them. Correct. Well, some of them. Well, no, I think some have more duality than others. Okay. Okay. Some are content to be one-liners, like, so for example, selenite. Selenite is wonderful stuff, particularly I'm talking about the satin spar selenite that comes from Morocco. It's the most commonly available one. It's the one that's kind of sheeny. If you move it around, the light plays with it. Yes, exactly. Perfect example. Okay. I'm holding up a, a piece I know. And that's great for your audience to see too, uh, because I don't have one handy here. Um, Selenite is a remarkably uniform material energetically. So it is a connector, but it's not a connector in the same way that hematite is. Selenite is a little bit more of a linear connector, but I guess if you wanted to talk about its duality, it's also intrinsically pure. Mm. It's very uncorruptible. And the reason why people like to use selenite to rest crystals on or to kind of create sacred space is that it's it's incorruptible. It doesn't get dirty energetically, which is kind of cool. Yeah. So I guess you're you're we could say that if you look hard enough in many of the stones, you can find dual qualities, but they're not conflicting qualities. They're complementary qualities. Well, and I was going to say that, so that a word that comes in as you're talking is like integrity too, that there's an integrity to certain stones that when you say things like uncorruptible, pure, right? That it's, that you can't undermine, you know, the quality of this stone with something else. Okay. True, true. But I mean, again, like with all metaphysics, there are uh, exceptions to the rule. But you were asking originally about, you know, what makes me different. And Mm -hmm. when you talked about that incorruptibility or the purity, there are four concepts that are ubiquitous in the existing crystal lore. And they are the importance of cleansing, clearing, charging, and programming. So just to break those down, because maybe your audience isn't familiar with those concepts, I'm going to explain them the way that I believe most people understand them. So clearing, yeah, clearing is basically the idea that if a stone is corrupted or does have some sort of overlay of negativity, that you can cleanse it. Okay. Cleansing and clearing are slightly different. Cleansing means you've just sort of tried to restore it to its original state. Clearing means basically wiping the uh, blackboard of all of its information. Mm -hmm. And then charging means sort of adding electricity, adding vibes to a stone. And programming means adding specific information or intention or marching orders to the stone. So those, that's my definition. And you'd probably have to see it written down or, or look at captions to really pick that one apart. But basically, clearing, I mean, cleansing, clearing, charging, and programming all are logical things for you to want to do. And in my system of understanding, are all things that you want to avoid doing. Interesting. 
which is really, yeah, it's shocking. Yeah, say more about that. I can explain. I have to. It demands that I say more about that because basically it's uh, extremely iconoclastic to, 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 to utter those words of heresy. And here's why I believe that. The stones come to us with an energy that is integral and complete. And in order for us to receive that, it's counterintuitive for us to then try to change it in any number of ways. Mm. So, for example, I love to use the computer or uh, uh, metaphor. You go to a store, you buy a computer, it has all sorts of awesome software on it. And so, rather than use that software, I mean, I'm looking at my computer right now, I've got messaging, I've got email, I've got databases, I've got all kinds of useful tools that make a computer something that you can actually use. And so, if a crystal is all of that, and a crystal comes to you with all of this magnificent software, for you to then try to cleanse it or clear it means that you're basically trying to erase all the software that is native and indigenous to the stone itself. And to me, that is a profoundly sort of colonial way of thinking about it. Back to the centering, <laughs> it, yes. Exactly. So, and then when you, the idea of then that you have to charge it means that what you're saying is that this stone doesn't have what it needs for me or the world. I, as the overlord, am the one who's going to bring the charge to the stone and somehow, somehow breathe life into it and make it valuable. And then the other last thing is the programming idea, which is to say, oh, I need to rewrite the programming of the stone and impose my intention on it so that it does these things that I want to do. And my argument is that you can do all of those things that you want to do with the stones without any of those. The programming is not the stone to be programmed. It's you to figure out your program and your intention. And all you're doing with the stone is lining it up to facilitate the forward movement of your own destiny. You have to get into human design and the gene keys. You have to, because you are speaking this language and it's so great. Well, it's funny that you were talking before about the Kabbalah. I work with someone and she looked at all of my studies and my stuff and she said, oh my God, you have to do Kabbalah. You're like totally tuned into all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The amusing part is that I, I haven't read any of this stuff and I just, it's just there. It's, yeah, it's totally part of your design. Right. To, you know, it really is. It's part of your human design. And this is also why I love human design is because it really, it really points to the fact that we all hold these very unique, different from anybody else's pieces of these gifts, these puzzles that when we, when we put it all together, when you think about the fractals and this idea that we're all of these pieces of the divine, like spread out all over the place, and that we each hold a piece that comes together to remember our wholeness, that it's just such a beautiful kind of way of looking at and honoring each person, that each person contains these special design, a special design that, that really is, is unique to them. So, it's really beautiful. 
So, okay. So I love this whole thing because it's like, apparently I love heretics. I just want to brag about that for a minute. (laughs) It's true. Because I love, I just, and I want to just, I I know that I don't need to define what that means, but I I love when we can assert a different perspective, a different way to look at something where we can get curious, where we can check in and just, again, this isn't need to be everybody's truth. And I know that you're not saying it that way because there's a lot of people that have a a, a different opinion, right? But this is, this is the book of Kyle. And and you can take yeah. take a page from his book or not. Um, but I love this because it, it gives me a whole nother opportunity to really kind of see this from a different perspective. And it also feels like suddenly there's ease and and trust in the space. That's a really good point. Yep. I like that ease and trust. It means that like because a lot of people feel overwhelmed. They're like, oh my gosh, I have to cleanse my crystals or oh my gosh, I didn't do this or I didn't do that. Full moon. I got to go put it in the... Exactly. And my invitation is to say, relax. God is in control. <laughs> you know, let it be Let it be that that all you have to do is just simply make friends with it. You don't have to dominate it. You don't have to tell it what to do. You just have to be friends with it and let it do and fulfill its own personal mineral design that just like we have. And I want to point out that that's what's hysterical about the heresy is trusting that God actually created something to have its own integrity, its own its, its own properties. Well, this is, I'm just, I'm getting another one of those brain farts that come up that the whole the the concept of heretic and the reformation that happened in Christianity is so interesting because the heresy then was to say you know what you don't have to go through the priests and the pope to get to god you can have direct connection exactly. and you don't have to worry about the cathedrals and the bishops and all that other business so as a as a concept i think that that was part of our human evolutionary process to try to say oh well maybe this oh maybe that's possible and then just we're spiritually leapfrogging from concept to concept and each of us finds these little islands and coincidentally i have someone who's going to ibiza very soon <laughs> and i wanted to also just echo something that you said you used the word remember and i know that you phrased it remember mm-hmm. and i just wanted your audience to sort of really hear that because that's so huge the idea and you've talked a lot about this idea of us being all these separated pieces like a a bunch of torn up pieces of paper that make up one document. Yes. So I love that. And I had one other observation I wanted to share from the beginning when we were talking about motherships Mm -hmm. and that the earth is our mothership. Yes. Which is kind of a cool thing. It is. That's a great. For those of us who choose to hang out here. Exactly. And it is a choice. Yes, it is a choice. choice. So good. I love it. All right. So where would you like to take this conversation next? Okay. I think that what is most confusing for people when they think about crystals, sort of their biggest pain point 
is this sense we talked already about some of the ritualistic responsibilities that can feel stressful and overwhelming. But I want to also talk about the information that we talked about out there, which I think is also uh, misinformation and confusing and distracting. Mm -hmm. And so where I want to take the conversation is to promise you and your audience that having worked with stones for 35 years, I've figured out a way of imposing my own human sense of order on the entire mineral kingdom, such that I believe that every single stone can be categorized into one of only 10 categories. Oh, cool. And that I think makes it so much easier to comprehend. I love that. Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, most of you or many of you who are sort of uh, spiritually inclined or metaphysically educated are aware of the primary seven chakras that have been sort of espoused in the West as the commonly known seven chakra system. And when I was looking to systematize my paradigm, my belief system about the stones, I did notice the chakra system had a surprising and useful overlap with what I had figured out on my own. Just like how you're saying, you know, I could tap into human design and all these other types of alchemy, et cetera. And and so my 10 energy zone system, I'll lay it out for you right now. It couldn't be easier. So below the root, which we're very familiar with, and uh, it, physically it's located at the base of our torso. And metaphorically, it has to do in my system with the transition point between the unmanifest and the manifest. It's how we come into the world and how we exit the world in some ways is through the root chakra or energy zone. Now, beneath that, below our physical person is what I call foundation. So, foundation is the ancestry. It's your own earlier parts of your life, your teen, your childhood, your early 20s, whatever it is. All of that stuff, including your biological and spiritual ancestry, which incidentally, show and tell, is represented here with this aurelite. So, this is an aurelite, which is a gigantic layered amethyst that has one layer upon another upon another. That's beautiful. Yeah. And this aurelite is actually a foundation stone, which speaks to that whole concept of layering and the past. Okay. So you've got your foundation, you've got your root. And then in the chakra system, they talk about sacral as separate from the root. And in my little mind, I can't find enough of a difference between those that for me, a bigger, more relevant distinction is between root and belly. Mm -hmm. So for me, belly is that area right around where your, you know, your belly is your, your uh, umbilical cord, your navel. And that is not just a physical location, but a conceptual gateway into your entire inner body's functioning. So, I'm talking about your circulatory system, respiratory, nervous system, lymph system. All of that is kind of governed by this silent authority called belly. 
And so that's the power of that. And there are a few stones that are associated with that. Then we move up from belly instead of to a place that is called solar plexus in the chakra system. Kyle calls it self. So self is a much bigger concept than just the location of the solar plexus. Self has to do with everything from your own pure internal self, the one that's unadulterated by whatever BS may have happened in your life. Um, I was going to say, there's that, there's that light again. It's, it's so I know. funny. Yeah. La- earlier I was going to be like, oh, cause we recorded in the afternoon, but then I'm like, no, it was morning and the sun was creeping right up on us. So we're going to maybe get that. St- oh my gosh. It's really out of control. It's right just now. so Is that funny okay too. You? Yeah. You're talking about the chakra system. Gonna, Go for it. I, I know. I'm going to ascend oh, now. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. So, so self, the concept of self is so powerful because there's so many different layers of it. There's self, there's protection of the self, there's the positive reflection on the self, then there's the positive reflection of the self. Okay, all of those things are actually reflected in particular stones. Mm-hmm. So beyond self, we move up to heart. And I keep heart the same, but what's so fascinating about heart is that it's the most color diverse of all the energy zones in that you can have a pink rose quartz, you can have a green jade, you can have a brown uh, smoky quartz, or you can have a white milky quartz. And all of these different pieces appeal to aspects of the heart. And the concepts are things like unconditional love, forgiveness, compassion. These are the types of heart functions. So, as a geosentient individual, I was able to feel those energies about the stones, but this chakra system and the energy zone system allowed me to sort of pin the tail on the donkey and say, okay, these are heart stones. These are self stones. Mm-hmm. And then a brand new energy zone that I created because I had a bunch of stones with no place to go is right here in the chest and the lungs. And though that energy zone I call healing, Mm. the healing energy zone is right there. And there are a number of stones that are associated with that directive to restore, to rebalance, to recenter and to regenerate in a sense, okay? So that's the healing energy zone. Then we move up instead of to throat to what I call voice. And so voice has a few different aspects that are interesting, a number of different aspects, but I'm going to talk about two of them. And because that this sun is really wanting in on the party. I know. It's so good. I'm going to try get that. To close. Okay. I just don't want to be super distracting to your viewers. I'm going to talk about two specific voice stones, if that's okay. You can interject at any point if you have any questions. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Chris Acola here is a gorgeous material. This one happens to come from Peru, where some of the best uh, Chris Acola comes from. And I was going to say, like, that's the, that was exactly the stone I was going to say. Do you mean like Chris Acola? Exactly. Now, the most dominant of the voice energy zone stones that most people think about is lapis. It's a dark, rich blue. Mm-hmm. And chrysocolla, which has a lot of turquoise in it, is more about gentle self-talk, 
humility, self-forgiveness concepts like that. And another type of voice tone, which is uncharacteristically not blue, and one of my favorites is Sugilite here. Oh, wow. You see that? Yeah. It's an extraordinary purple naturally like that. And Sugilite being purple, I originally had it as the higher up, more ascended stone. But then the more I got to know it, the more I realized that it was a different aspect of the lapis energy. So instead of taking the unmanifest words and concepts and converting them into speech as you find and use your voice, what Sugilite is tapped into is the blueprint of manifestation, how you convert your hopes, dreams, and ambitions into realities in the world. Mm -hmm. So, that's another great example. And both of those illustrate the voice function, which is followed by vision. Vision is more of a creativity, imagination, the subconscious, etc. And what would be a good stone for that? I feel like that's something that I need. Okay. I think you're going to have a lot of fun with two types of stones. One is the light play stones. So, that means opal, Labradorite. What is it? Moonstone, Moonstone? is another I was great just example. Say, that's my new ring. There you go. Okay. Oh, new. new. Well, that's perfect yes. timing for you. Yes, totally. <laughs> and interestingly, your ring is kind of in the shape of an eye. Mm-hmm. And I call that the universal eye when the eye is vertical like that, the way it is on the screen. And so the vision stones are not just about this location, they're about your creativity, your imagination. And there's another type of stone, which I want to tell you about, which uh, the best example of is appetite, blue appetite. And blue appetite is just a rich, rich, deep indigo blue. And that one is like a mainline access centered to your subconscious. Is that Look appetite? at that. Is that appetite? Um, I don't know. No, Maybe that looks like not. lapis. Is it, it lapis? It looks like okay, lapis. Cool. Yeah. It's got a good blue to it. Appetite is far more obscure, and I don't have one handy to show you. Okay, okay. Except possibly in my book. (laughs) It's so fun. It's so fun to like know more, you know? And it is to take the. I love (laughs) that we just took the pressure off all the programming and the cleansing and the clearing. It's like, oh, I can breathe. (laughs) It's so good. All right, I'll see if I can see a picture of it. Yeah, actually, I can look in my fancy table here because I know I have a great picture of blue appetite. I love the name of it, appetite. Yeah, it's A-P-A. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Here's a picture of it, at least. It comes in three different colors, yeah? Oh, great. Yes. And the one that we care about most is the blue one. Is the blue one. The blue one is, yeah, the blue one is the real gateway into the subconscious. Okay. Fascinating. And then just to wrap up the last two energy zones, Yeah. because I know it's a lot. 10 is like, oh my God. The last two are source, which is associated with crown. Mm-hmm. and channel. So, source is about your spirit guides, the spirit realm, higher world, etc. And then, channel is not necessarily on the body, but has to do with the modulation of energy. So, like your selenite 
that's a channel stone. Your black tourmaline, that's a channel stone. And those are more about, you know, stopping or facilitating the movement of energy in general, rather than specifically associated with an energy zone. Okay. And what I love about, you know, what we're kind of surfacing today is that these 10 categories are ways for our audience, our listeners to actually start to perhaps work with stones in a way that's different from how they've been working with stones, and that you have this in a book, correct? That they can, uh, you know, I'll make sure to put all of your information in the show notes, but the book there itself, I am on yay! the back cover. And, and so, and of course, I have to also let them know that you're like, TikTok famous, right? Oh, we could talk about that one because I just <laughs> I just went viral again. You did? Well bragged. I love it. I did. I thought I was all washed up. Never. <laughs> never. It's kind of funny. No, but it's great. Sometimes you do a video that just hits and it taps into exactly what people want to hear in that moment. And it just to, it kept feeding on itself. And I think it's at 300,000 views so far, which is ridiculous. And what was it? What were you talking about that hit? What I was talking about, it was kind of, it was just telling a story in my shop about someone who came in and their psychic told them, you need to get a yellow mookite. And I said, why? And uh, she was like, well, because my psychic told me. And I said, well, what was it for? And she said, well, for protection. And I'm like, well, in my system, we have these five or six stones that are all associated with protection. She's like, I don't know if I resonate with them. And I'm like, well, maybe what you're looking for instead of protection is some sort of deeper sense of embrace and connectedness to Mother Earth. Mm. And she's like, yes, yes, that's exactly what I want. And I'm like, well, what you're talking about is jade. So she went from wanting a yellow mookite to getting a bracelet like this that I wear, which is a nephrite jade bracelet to tap into that whole Mother Earth vibration. And so what people were really appreciating was that I was going the extra mile to say, okay, well, you may have heard this or you may have been told that, but let's dig deeper. Let's understand what's really going on for you. And maybe there's a stone that's even more appropriate for you than whatever it was that they told you. Yeah, so exactly that it's like the revelation project, but through stones, you got to go a little deeper, right? Yeah, totally. I love that. All right. And then, and this might be a great segue into kind of my next question, which is and so if we have listeners who haven't ever worked with stones, what would maybe be a couple of tips to just maybe start their journey? Mm, well, Obviously, I think my book is a good recommendation, but way more people have seen my videos than have seen my books. So it's useful and educational to get all this free content. It, all my videos go to uh, from in TikTok to Instagram, and I also have them on Facebook. So it's educational to do that. But even quite apart from me, what I want to introduce people to is the possibility that you can just sit with your stones, meditate with them, think about them, contemplate. Contemplate. Notice the differences. Notice that some are heavy, some are light, some are green, some are blue. How do these different colors and weights occur to you as a sentient being? 
where do you go with this information and get some personal experience of working with the crystals so that you can say, you know what? I think I could become a little more geosentient than I was yesterday. Mm-hmm. And it makes you more sensitive and start to feel feel the answers instead of intellectually uh, hearing them or receiving them. Oh, amen to that. It, right? It's like it's like just get out of your head with it because there's a way that we just can tend to make it have to be all logical and that just right. talk about a magic killer. Talk about pinning a butterfly, <laughs> right? It's like just not not recommended to, you know, to just kill the magic of of the medicine. And what I wanted to really also kind of point to here is my appreciation for just this deeper understanding because every time I get out of my comfort zone and I call out of the comfort zone, the zone of revelation, right? The zone where I'm actually able to have my own moments of insight where I can look to certain things. And let me give you an example of something recently that came up for me was around plant medicine and Mm -hmm. learning that there's this story about when, I don't know which jungle it was or which indigenous people it was, but there's this story of like colonization where... I forget what you call them in this moment, but the people who brought religion, right? What were they called? Uh, they were called missionaries. Uh, we had so many of them. Yes, right. Thank missionaries you. came to the Amazon jungle, and with them they brought disease. And at some point, all of the shamans got together, you know, in this jungle, and their chief shaman, whatever, kind of did a vision quest, took plant the plant medicine of ayahuasca, went and sat at the base of the tree. And at some point in his vision journey, the tree said, look up in the branches and you'll see a frog. That frog carries the medicine for your people on its back because these all of these indigenous people were dying from this disease. And you come to learn that that frog hibernates inside of Mother Earth and that the medicine happens during its deep winter, during its deep hibernation, that somehow alchemically the medicine, the purging medicine formulates on its back. And when they take that medicine and they use that medicine for the purging of the disease, that's how they eradicated it. And then that became a well-known kind of purging medicine. And I just think like, how incredible is it that these stones come from the mother earth, that they are and carry with them properties and medicine and information that gives us access to other realms of information that are not logical. They're not logical. They don't fit in this narrow version of our what we consider this safe reality, which is an illusion as well. And so I just, I don't know, you know, these conversations just expand me, open me to all of the potential and possibility that we have as human beings to really assimilate and integrate with other beings, other forms of intelligence that have so, that carry so much love in them that we that we have access to every day if we're willing to just consider that. 
True. Well, everything that you're saying uh, reminds me of a sort of quote that a, a tagline that I use, which is that which is spiritually inspired but geologically grounded. Mm. So I really love the idea of having the freedom of inspiration and of intuition. And I think part of what I bring to the world in terms of my work with the book, et cetera, is that I try to offer a framework, a guideline, some guideposts to help you through the journey, but not constrain your intuitive capabilities or gifts. Yes. And so I, I totally agree with your you know, approach there about the importance of, of having that type of freedom. Yeah, for sure. And I know that we're at time right now, but I just, you know, want to say that I feel like we could just talk about anything and everything and it's been so fun. And so I want to thank you and I want to invite you to tell our listeners where they can learn more about you and where they can follow you or anything else that you want to say. Surely. Well, it's easy to remember the concept of my brand is crystal concentrics because the idea is that it's like concentric circles emanating from a crystal and interfacing with us and with other crystals and the world. But I have simplified the way that you can access my website and you can simply go to kylecrystalguide.com. Kyle crystalguide.com will redirect you to crystalconcentrics.com, which is a little hard to spell. <laughs> and then you can, yeah, exactly. You could find the TikTok and the Instagram. I'm on YouTube also, Facebook, and it's really easy to reach me. I post my personal email address, kyle at crystalconcentrics.com on every single post that I put out there. So anyone who wants to reach me can reach me whether they want to talk. In fact, because of that video, the viral video I told you about, I've got all kinds of people commenting saying, well, what stone would be good for this? And what would be good for that? And, what would you... and so I've got an unlimited list of reply videos that I need to make to respond. And sometimes I give them a quick answer. And sometimes it's a more complicated thing where we say like, if you're talking about prosperity or love and relationships, maybe you need to look at some few different areas and explore some underlying stuff and recognize that maybe there aren't just heart energy zone issues. There may be foundation energy zones, or maybe you're not in touch with your spirit guides and that's a source issue. Mm. So it's, it's sometimes a little bit more complicated, but just like you with your revelation project, you want to dig underneath, try to unearth some of that wisdom, that knowledge and understanding. And just like the frog medicine, it can help us uh, heal what ails us. That's right. Help us heal. Exactly. Because what gets revealed gets healed. So yes, thank you so, so much. And to our listeners, I'll be sure to put all of Kyle's links and resources in the show notes, including some of the other books we mentioned today, because that it's really been a trip how this is all kind of right. It's been a like, library journey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised, but I'm always amazed. So thank you so much. And for our listeners, until next time, more to be revealed. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, please visit us at jointherevelation.com and be sure to download our free gift, subscribe to our mailing list, or leave us a review on iTunes. We thank you for your generous listening. 
And as always, more to be revealed.